Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. I'm here with Sterling Holmes, my partner in crime. How are you, my friend? Uh, doing doing all right. Better than the Chiefs' defense, but not great. Um, not as very, good as their offense? Not as good as their offense, yeah. Not, not, not as good as Patrick. Uh, very quickly, I, I know we're going to talk a lot of football. This is just a very funny story that I just need to tell. So I do sports talk radio on ESPN Kansas City. There's one hour a day from 3 to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday. I can't do anything. Like, sorry, I... Nothing. I, I'm not going to be at home. I'm at the radio station. I can't do anything. I can't answer. I can't be on the phone and talking on the radio. Well, my plumbing went out last night. My drain backed up and, well, my basement had about two inches of water in it. Not ideal. Not fun. About as, <laughs> as good as the Chiefs defense again. Uh, and I call. I'm like, all right, well, let's see if I can get a plumber out here. They go, sure. We'll be out there probably after five o'clock. Well, they call me at 2.58. I'm getting ready to hop on radio. And he goes, I'm about here pulling up. I go, no bleep. When has a plumber, anyone for that matter, ever just been early, right? I'm thinking, oh, I I can't wait for them to be here at 7 p.m. Nah, they're here the one hour I can't be there. And I almost, almost put them on air. I almost did a a live plumber talk show with that guy just to see how funny it is. I didn't know what to do. I was trying to figure it out. I had to tell the guy like, Hey man, sorry, I got to cancel. Let me reschedule this. I probably seem like a D bag. Just be like, dude, I can't do it. Reschedule. And then, you know, slam the phone line down. <laughs> but so there, that's how I'm feeling. Uh, that's probably on par with Ben Neiman or Nick Bolton or Anthony Hitchens getting burned by Miles Sanders or a plethora of other guys in the flat all game. But besides that doing pretty good. Wait, how, how, how is the basement, by the way? And by the way, when you first were telling that story, I thought it was all euphemisms. You were like, so I had some problems with my pipes. So I was blah, 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 oh, blah. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Don't you worry, you <laughs> you you Matt Connor over is there. Is the we'll, basement dry, though? The basement's dry. Well, damp, I would say. You know, the, the water receded, but it's all not ideal. All this still sounds like code. It's not ideal. If you want to hear some code, autumn's in the air. Pumpkins are in the patch, and our (laughs) friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming. So go right now, manscaped.com, fansided20, when you check out 20% off and free shipping. 
Performance Package 4.0 in the package. Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. I need that. Uh, crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Ball Reviver Toner. Performance Boxer Briefs in a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. That's a lot of stuff. Go there. Manscaped.com. Fans added 20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping. There you go, Matt. There is your euphemisms. Man, that yeah. That, hashtag... Pants pumpkins. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, it was pants pumpkins. Yeah. I wish th- I carve. wish this defense could could find some of their pants pumpkins and and make this happen. I don't even know what I'm saying, but let's get into it. Folks, we know the math is off. We know it. It's a 17 game season, which makes it just awkward to break it up. It's like you know, it, it's like someone who can't carve the pizza and then suddenly there's like this really wonky slice that you know, everyone wants, but it's too big and everyone's being too nice. Anyway, it's a 17 game season, but we're through the first quarter ish of four games. So Sterling, I was wanting to take the temperature here and just get your take on the first quarter, how we're feeling about it, who our MVP is, who our defensive MVP is, who the rookie of the year would be at the quarter mark and just how we're feeling in general. So let's start with the top things here. Like, I mean, is it automatic that Patrick Mahomes is your chief's MVP uh, through the first month of games? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was about to say another euphemism, and then I realized I don't know if we're allowed to say words that are bad on this podcast because I've kept it pretty PC. So I'm just going to say yes. Yes, I think Patrick Mahomes is by far the MVP. You could maybe say, if you want to get a little outlandish, Trey Smith. Like, Trey Smith at right guard has been absolutely outstanding. But for as good as he's been, you know, I I saw some PFF numbers, and he was top 10 in both run and pass block win rate. That's all great and stuff. But it's so hard to give it to a guard. I got to go with Patrick Mahomes just because what he does, five touchdowns, last week against the Eagles, right? That's amazing. Um, I know the interceptions have been bad, but I think he's also pressing a little bit because he goes, well, bleep, if if I don't score, the other team is. So I got to try and push this thing. I got to be even more aggressive than my atyp- than my typical, very aggressive self. So Patrick Mahomes, still the MVP. You could, you know, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. There, there's guys who've been very, very good, but from a... This team doesn't go without. That has to be Patrick Mahomes. So for me, he is the first quarter MVP. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't Patrick, I mean, if we weren't allowed to say Patrick, if like if we all just said, yeah, look, let's let's ignore the obvious because we'd all vote Mahomes in that role. Like, like, would your vote be for Trey Smith of all people? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it would. Um, and he, here, here's why. Not only has he been the one guy we've consistently pointed to game in and game out when it comes to pass blocking, but but run blocking, he's the guy that they're pulling, that they're having Clyde run behind, bust open holes. If you just watch Trey Smith, he's got that nasty in him. He's got that, I am going to beat you, I'm going to pancake you, and you're going to take it. He's been so effective, and to me, this, this says more about Trey Smith than it does Clyde. There's these huge holes, and even last game against the Eagles, he, what, 7.3 yards per carry? 
but I think Clyde could have had way more if he would have had better vision because Trey Smith was busting open holes. So, yeah, I, I know it's weird and it's to say a sixth-round rookie guard could be my MVP for the first quarter of the season, but has he not been just a tremendous difference maker? Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I, you know, I wrote about them today that, that I, it's, it's hard for me to differentiate because Creed Humphrey looks except for one errant snap that went over Mahomes' head at one point, like Creed Humphrey looks the part of, of everything we've been missing since like Rodney Hudson, really, um, like even more so than Mitch Morse and Mitch Morse is a hell of an athletic center. It's just great to see him in the middle and Joe Tooney has also been everything as advertised that workmanlike consistent, you know, tough presence there at left guard, the whole interior of the offensive line has gotten such tremendous push in the last two weeks that it's allowing Clyde Edwards, Elayer to put the notorious fumble in his rearview mirror and begin to earn the respect. And, you know, I mean, now I'm seeing people going, some of y'all been haters on Clyde. And I'm like, man, he's turning this around quickly that now he's got some people who are like fighting for like, let me scrap for this guy when we all were like, so over it, you know, after week two. So that's a big Testament to Clyde, but honestly, I think it's a bigger Testament to the interior line. I think you're right there. I just, it's hard for me to differentiate, although I love Trey individually, but I, I would just have to go with Tyreek Hill. Right. I mean, I mean, even in games where he's not there, even in games where he's been, uh, you know, nullified on the stat sheet to a degree, he occupies so much of the defensive game plan. And, you know, I mean, immediately takes away to defender. I mean, immediately requires safety help over the top and, and the game's best corner on the other side. Um, and, you know, through four games, he's had, two games of almost 200 yards a piece. Uh, I mean, he rolled up for what? 183 uh, yesterday or the day before. And it was the second best effort of the season in terms of yards. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, he's the most dynamic weapon in the entire game. The chiefs are so lucky to have him and Mahomes. It's, it's not even fair. Have you mentioned um, so, Travis Kelsey as well? It's so I, stupid, I get it. man. The I know. I mean, I get stupid. it. <laughs> it's an abundance of riches. It's like saying, oh, you know, which one's my favorite? My my jet to take or my helicopter or my, you know, my Rolls Royce. I'm not quite <laughs> well, sure which one, but. Well, then Josh um, Gordon's joining. Wait, just really quickly. I'm sorry, because it just makes me laugh. Just, just how lucky we are as a Chiefs fan. Forget about the defense. I understand. But. We're all here screaming, we need a third offensive weapon. You know, besides the first round running back we just drafted a couple years ago, we need a third wide receiver, number two. We need Josh Gordon. And the Jets are sitting up there like, can we have anyone? Can we have McCold to be our number one, please? Can we? And they won a game. They won <laughs> they a did. game to their they credit. They did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just funny. Just how, how, just think about how crazy that sounds. How, how, like you said, the abundance of riches. You have Tyree Kill, maybe the most explosive weapon in the NFL, top three wide receiver, the best tight end in the NFL, maybe in NFL history. And we're still like, yeah, but yeah. What what if we got another another guy? What if we just <laughs> went out and did something else? Not only did they score on six out of seven possessions, not including the the one before half against the Eagles, and the other one was an interception. But how do we make that even better? 
<laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. By the way, and we touched on this in the post game show. For those of you who are listening, um, you know, we, we have a video breakdown on YouTube every week. Um, that's a part of the podcast as well. Breaking down. We talked about this there too, but like not only did the chiefs score on six of seven possessions, cause the last one was a kneel down, right? Not only did the chiefs score on all on six, but they didn't just settle for three. They scored seven on all six. And not only that, but they went 75 freaking yards every time out. Like there wasn't a single drive less than 75, which I find completely maddening if I'm the defense there, because that's his, that's like historically efficient. It was amazing on Sunday to watch. Yeah. As amazing as that was, the defense was not, but we're not here for that. Okay. Chiefs, they're two and two. They won the game. I'm not going to bag on the Chiefs defense too much until we get to this next segment, which is the defensive MVP. Um, Whoever's sitting in section 113, come claim your offer. (laughs) By the way, today, I don't know if you saw this, Ryan Clark, uh, who is the longtime Pittsburgh Steeler defensive back. You know, he's now an ESPN commentator and uh, he offered up today. He said, he said, I'm super washed. I think is how he said it, but I'm going to put my cleats back on to try to help the chiefs because he said like any warm body will do like, like, like anyone should merit a tryout for the chiefs defense right now. Um, and, and he's telling the truth, man, he's telling the truth. We need some help. Uh, do you or myself want to suit up? I do yoga. So Chris Jones, that said, allowed him to move to DN. So maybe that makes me the new D end. Veach called me yesterday, so I'm <laughs> I'm going. I'm going tomorrow to try out for uh, who would be your MVP here. Do you have any? Oh. Is it possible to to call someone a most valuable defensive player? I, I guess Tyron Matthew for the couple of interceptions, or or maybe Chris Jones. You know what? I'm going to go a different route because those guys, in my opinion, are still underperforming. They're not getting what I believe they should be doing. And part of that's sure. due to Chris Jones being out. Of, I, I think out of position, he's to me, his best position is still interior defensive line. I'm going to go with Michael Dana. He's been fairly impressive. I'll, I'll own up to it. When he was first drafted in the fifth round, he had an undrafted um, projects. And I go, what are they doing? They draft him. I think he's going to get cut. I, I go, he's not making even the roster. Well, not only did he make the roster last year, he made it this year. Made it over guys like uh, Tim Ward, who I thought was going to be solid. Made it over um, Taco Charlton, a you know former first round draft pick. And what did he do? He has what three sacks now. He's he, he's been productive. He's probably been the most consistent uh, defensive lineman for Kansas City. He's also the cheapest. What can you say? I mean, he he's been about the only guy you can point to that says, you know what, he's done what he was supposed to and more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There. I, I, I love that pick. It'd be hard for me to not to say the same. Uh, I mean, even last year, you know, he made his way into 13 games, played about a third of the reps as a rotational body. You and I both, we didn't like, we were like, who's this guy? I mean, he, I mean, he barely played much at Michigan. So you're the thinking, you know, there is gosh, if he can't even break into the Wolverines rotation, why would he break into the chiefs rotation? But, uh, Here's what I love is that, you know, we were told at the time that coaches told Brett Veach 
and company that Mike Dana was the kind of guy who you just tell him what you need him to do. And he does it like he soaks up instruction, like a sponge and then applies it like no one else. And so if you have that kind of student of the game with the physical skill set to be able to learn and apply, I mean, we're, we're just seeing it week after the guy's getting noticeably better with each passing game. You know, he's starting now because Frank Clark's been out and they insist on Chris Jones on the edge. If Clark comes back and they still insist on Jones and they take starting reps away from Mike Dana, I'm going to go ballistic because he's the only guy who's, who's earning his keep along a line that we thought was going to be very deep. Yeah. I mean, 25% of the chiefs cap space is spent on the defensive line. Dana's about the only one who's, who's extremely cheap. Again, being that fifth round tender, I I'm with you. They, if they give Frank Clark snaps over Dana, or if they're not going to move Chris Jones back to the interior for, for Frank Clark, I, I will be upset because what has Clark done besides getting injured and bringing Uzis, what he has more gun charges than games played this year. I mean, <laughs> it's like, gosh, and again, it, this is all obviously speculative, but then you're just saying, then you have a what? 25 or 20 plus million dollar backup rotational defense at end. It's just a lose, lose situation. Yeah. I guess you got to think of it as a sunk cost and play whoever's producing the most, but yikes. Uh, I don't know. I I am all of a sudden I got very sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you could go down the list. Have you heard Turk Wharton's name once this year? Oh, I heard Alex Okafor's and (laughs) it was on a late hit. So yeah. Have you seen, have you seen Jaron Reed do anything at all? Uh, You know, like I've seen a little bit of hustle out of Colin Saunders, but he barely plays as it is anyway. I mean, I'm just scratching my head at the long list here. We are supposed to have, you know, so deep that we let Tim Ward go. And then now we're just like, we could use anybody, please. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it what bad? about Legereus Sneed? What about Sneed? He could be in there. Yeah. Sneed, Sneed has a chance, but I still think he's gotten burnt a little too many times. He got away with a pass interference that was pretty blatant against the Eagles. Sneed's been good, but he hasn't been as good as he was last year, in my opinion. Uh, I'm still extremely high on Legereus Need, right? I, I'm still very, very high, but cornerback to me has the most variance week to week, year to year. It's like a reliever in baseball, right? Where, you know, a year or two you're going to dominate, a year or two you may struggle. That's just the the name of the game. So I think he's been solid the first four weeks, but I still think there's more left in the tank for Legere- for Legereus. I went with Dana because I didn't have high expectations for him, and he's completely exceeded those expectations. I do think it's bad when I was watching the Jets game, and I go, wow, their defense looks pretty good. That pass rusher looks impressive. The Jets, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Again, I'm not saying I'd rather be a Jets fan. I get it. The Chiefs, obviously, back-to-back Super Bowls. They're 2-2. and Just had a massive 42-point explosion against the Eagles. But just strictly the defense, I had to literally say, wow, that Jets defense and their pass rush looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about, uh, I mean, maybe you already gave it away, but Trey Smith, you mentioned him earlier. I mean, if you said he's overall MVP, then that means he's your rookie of the year too. Yes, uh, that's the way it would go. He would be my rookie of the year. But just to say, if I can't say Trey Smith, I might go Nick Bolton. 
I know Creed Humphrey has been outstanding as well, but I kind of want to give Nick Bolton some love here because he has been asked to do a ton from this coaching staff. He was not a coverage linebacker in college. I went to Mizzou, a Mizzou alum. I watched all of his games. He's an amazing tackler, amazing open field tackler too. He is great against the run, but he's very good going downhill. He's not good in pass coverage, but he's not supposed to be. I think the coaching staff has put him in a poor position. If we want to strictly just look at Nick Bolton as what he was drafted and what he's supposed to do, which is be a run stopper, you know, get pressure, do all that stuff. He's been good, right? Do you see him against the Eagles, against Miles Sanders? He looked outstanding when they were running the ball. And then again, he goes out in the flat. He's going to get beat time and time again. But that's because I think the coaching staff is not putting him in the best spot to succeed. Um, but as far as what was he drafted to do and has he done that? I would say Nick Bolton's done very good in that aspect. Boy, that's an interesting way to frame it. Yeah. Cause you know, watching Bolton, you can get really frustrated, but seeing guys struggle in areas where, you know, they're going to struggle. We have to remember as fans that man, they're, these guys are just doing like, it's like watching Ben Neiman at times, watching Dan Sorensen at times. So some of these players, maybe with, with the skill set that isn't as, um, you know, natural as others, right? Because some guys are just naturally more athletically gifted, um, and can do more. And, uh, you know, some guys have better length, some guys have better speed, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, that's a failure on the, on the coaching staff asking them to do too much. So yeah, I, I like the way you say that I would stick with Creed Humphrey in the middle or Trey. I mean, just this, this front line and the rookies there. And let's not forget Lucas Niang too. Um, just what a job, what a hell of a job, hell of a line. Um, that's been the bright spot for me this season. Yeah. Although I will say Niang had his first game where you go, yikes. Uh, what's Mitchell Schwartz doing last <laughs> week? And, and Niang was fine in, 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 the, in run blocking, right? Niang has been fine. And I'm very high on Niang. But again, to act like there's not going to be growing issues between a lot of these guys in the offensive line, between some of these rookies. And again, when I go back to Bolton, just very quickly, when fans get upset with him in pass coverage, it's like he wasn't good in college. He's not all of a sudden going to be phenomenal once he gets to the next level in the NFL when it comes to doing that. You can't expect guys, and you, you hit it perfectly with Neiman and Sorensen, and I think when Willie Gay gets back, that's going to be a huge boost, and I believe next year is when we'll really see Nick Bolton thrive because I think Hitchens will be gone, so Nick Bolton can play his more natural spot, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, we'll see. I just don't want to rip on these rookies too much because they're so young, so raw. It's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah, we knew that. We knew that coming in. And and so you're right. It will be interesting to see him a year from now. Uh, folks, we have a break to take real fast. Coming up, we got a little bit of a surprise for you. Former Chiefs defensive back Eric Warfield and I will sit down for a segment we taped earlier. And then we'll be back with some final thoughts with myself and Sterling. You're listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Eric, I'd love to, like, obviously we want to talk about a few things with you and what's going on. But, like, I'd just love to lead out with with what you're up to these days. Can you catch up, like, Chiefs Kingdom with, like, what life after the NFL has been like for you and, and what fills most of your days here in 2021? Uh. I don't know how far you want me to go back, but just if, if starting with 2021 is basically just, uh, you know, 
I'm living like an elder, <laughs> meaning uh, kind of like one that's. I don't want to say I'm in a wheelchair at that because I'm not, but <laughs> it's a retired life with aches and pains. Mm. So, um, but I don't don't have a, a handicap sticker. <laughs> I don't have uh, you know ramps in my place <laughs> or handles to hold on to. Although I feel like sometimes I need it, but for the most part. Um, I do a lot of charity events around here in Dallas, Texas. Been here for six years now. Hmm. Uh, you know, still getting accustomed to it. And um, just enjoying following my two teams, and that's the Huskers and the Chiefs. So. Hmm. Hey, why Dallas, by the way? Because Mississippi is home for you, right? So Mississippi is where I was born, and I grew up in Texarkana, Arkansas. Okay, okay. So Texarkana is... Uh, a couple of hours from from Dallas, and I have a lot of people that I went to school with that I grew up with that that move here because it's a big city life. Uh, my brother and sister both moved out here, uh, and I've been in the Midwest since '94, so I figured it was time to get close to home, not back to home, but <laughs> close to home. Yeah. Hey, can you um? You know, you said how far back do you want to go? And I, like, I'd love to go back, and I, I guess I'd love to go back to. Um, I want to talk about the playing career a bit, but since we're talking about post playing career and and you've even brought up some some things that that I'd love to ask about there um but like in like 2005 was your last year so in 2006 2007 like like were you done with the NFL or did it take a while to learn that the NFL was done with you like like what was that transition like and and like did you keep hopes alive for a while or did you just walk away walk away so my last three years in Kansas City were pretty tough physically on me. And then it kind of taken a toll mentally also. Mm. But physically, um, I was just wasn't able to keep up with the game anymore. Like I I, um, I had screwed up my back in 2000 and never had the surgery. So I, I was doing epidural shots three times a year. Wow. Uh, just, to get me, just to get me through a football season. And all of a sudden... Uh, I think it's like three years straight, three or four years straight. I was doing those epidural shots, and uh, they wouldn't—they didn't take effect anymore. So I, I had to do the surgery, and I did the surgery immediately after we played uh, the Indianapolis no punt game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's a crazy. I, game. I did the surgery. Yeah, so I did the surgery after that game, and. Oh, I think the Chiefs had drafted a, a couple of corners and brought in a few in free agency uh, for free agency. So instead of me doing the full time rehab, uh, get through the surgery, I kind of rushed rushed the procedure because uh, I'm afraid of losing my job. Yeah, and I came back came back way too early and never gave it uh, time to properly heal. So by the time I got to New England, it was basically me trying to hide and cover up certain things when I when I got there because they asked me if my back was they they, they knew about the surgery uh, and they asked if I was uh, healthy enough to play and so at that point you know you're still trying to continue you know playing the game so you don't tell 100% truth so I'm like I mean I, I felt like I was okay but I knew I wasn't 100% um, hmm. so I went out there gave it a shot and, and man I could barely make it through a, a full day but um, eventually it came down to to cutting time and you know that was that was my number call yeah 
if you if you said you know you injured your back in 2000 you had you were like starting every single game for the next few years like that's a long time to go with that sort of routine of of the epidural shots oh it sucked it it sucked major Uh, and especially the way that i had to play i was a a man press corner, so I, I was up in, 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 in up in the receiver's face majority of the time uh, with the defenses that we called, um, you know, and having to have immediate stops and cuts and 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 jumps uh, to try to recover these receivers. Oh, it, it it killed me on almost every play. But that indie game. Um, I probably shouldn't have played and ended up playing it anyway. Uh, Cause I think that before that we had a bye week and then we played the Chicago bears before that. I think it was, I want to say Chicago was the, the last game of the season. And I sat out that game just so they could try to give me rest mm-hmm. uh, and some extra um, treatment uh, to try to make sure I was healthy going into the game. And, and, and I went in feeling about the same, and throughout that entire game, I had to have a heating pack, an ice pack, and all this stuff throughout the game to, to get me through. But after that, that's when I, I ended, up, ended up having the surgery. Mm. It, Eric, it's, like, it's not like it's been a, a long, long time since you've played, and yet it feels like the National Football League has made major strides in terms of maybe some accountability, um, oversight, um you know, even transparency regarding, you know, player injuries, reporting, et cetera, like that. Like, do you, like, like what's your, I guess, what's your take on it? Do you feel like the NFL needs to go further? Do you feel like you wish you would have been playing in a time like this? Like, like, yeah, I guess I just wonder your sentiments there. You know what? I, I grew up playing a game that I loved uh, that was physical from the start. I never had the uh, the pleasure of playing flag or, or you know, if anything, uh, as a kid, I played in the streets with my family and friends uh, on the block, two-hand touch out the street. So uh, so that was the least amount of contact that I got playing <laughs> football. Um, but ever since I started the game, it was always been tackled. So that's all that's all I knew of it. And to, you know, to say that uh, how things could be different or that I don't like the changes that they're making, I 100% completely understand what they're doing with the game. They're trying to change and protect um, – the shield and are trying to also protect the players does it suck when you hear some of these rule changes of course it does because everything's against the defense is to make the i wouldn't say it's to make the game better for the offense uh it's more so to protect both sides offensive and defensive players from from big hits and uh mainly those big hits that that uh come from head to helmet to helmet contact um would I go back and play knowing all the things that I know now? 100%. Love the game for what it what brought uh, to my life, my family's life, and, and, and the lifestyle it's given me. Uh, although some of the aches and ailments uh, I could probably do without. But, <laughs> you know, again, it, it, it's given me a life that uh, I didn't, you know, I don't think I could have gone and done a regular 9 to 5 to provide for my family and myself the way that football has. Sure, sure. You mentioned all that is provided and more than just like lifestyle, etc. Like, like, what are you most proud of on the field? Like, as you look back at your career, is there a particular performance that stands out? Is it is it uh, something like on a bigger scale than that? Not really. I'm just 
I was able to do something with my family name that no one else has done. Um, mm. I grew up in Mississippi amongst a, a lot of gifted uh, family members. Um, and not one of them had, you know, the opportunity that I had to go out and, and pre- perform on national television every week uh, to play for a professional football team. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very proud of that. You know, and, and there's some things that came with that during my time of playing that, you know, uh, obviously could, could could bring some embarrassment to the family. But we've gotten over that. We've worked through certain, a lot of issues. Um, and so uh, in the long run, again, football has done a lot for me that, uh, you know, outside of that sport, uh, I couldn't think of a nine to five that was that would have given me where I'm, you know, the position that I'm in now. Yeah. I'd love to talk to this year's Chiefs and to uh, like just get a sense of first of all how like how involved are you in in um, like with the Chiefs these days are you, are you with the ambassadors at all or, or anything else? Not with the ambassadors. Uh, in the process, I did, I've been contacted you know quite a bit about trying to get on with them, uh, but I, I do participate in the alumni stuff. Um, so I go back, you know, once a year for the for the alumni games, and this year it'll be the New York Giants Monday night game uh, for the uh, introduction of Tim Grunhart into the uh, Ring of Honor. So uh, I'll be there for that. And other than that, I just try to watch every single game and uh, read every beat right that's out there, and and try to keep up with the players and coaches. Uh, to what's going on within the team, you know, I'm loyal to the team. Yeah, uh, I, I've never been a a, a fantasy uh, league player. Uh, I, I feel like it takes away some of your loyalty if you're sitting there <laughs> rooting for a guy to get points on your team. So um, that's that's one thing I've kind of never done. And I get a lot of people ask me, "Won't you join my fantasy league?" It's like, you know, I've never done it, so I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> Eric, what's your take on this on this iteration, this run right now? I mean, I don't want to get in the weeds on the losing streak right now. I'll ask about that in a second. But just more like the window that's open for the Chiefs in terms of sustained success. You know what? It's early in the season, uh, and none of us. And I don't think one person uh, expected we'd be here at a, at a winning at a, at a winless record. And uh, not winless, but uh, only one win in the first three games. So, um Key injuries, you know, having Gay out, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan at the movement of Chris Jones. Um, I, I like him in the middle, but we brought in Jaron Reed for a reason, and, and and I was thinking that him being a part of that defense would would kind of light a different switch under Frank Clark. Uh, but he's had, you know, the first game uh, due to the. I think I think he had a suspension for the first game, right? Yeah. No, he had a hamstring. Oh, well, hamstring. So then the, the second game, he comes back to play. Didn't really do a lot. Uh, and then the third game, he's out. So um, so I really haven't gotten to see if he's just become the Frank Clark that he was before coming to Kansas City. That's what we're all looking forward to. Uh, the guy that, you know, he made big plays when we had that Super Bowl run. Yeah. Um, and, and since then, it's kind of been like, you know, where's, where, where's Frank? And our linebacker course is, I think we're a little slow reacting uh, to hitting gaps and dropping back in coverage. Uh, I don't know what the hesitation is for. 
Uh, I like both. I see him in the backfield a lot, but we're not getting the stops that or or the um, <laughs> it's it's hard to go out and, and, and criticize, you know, a defense that's won a Super Bowl. And I know we got some couple a new, couple of new faces here. And I'm not one to criticize my team. Uh, I never do. Uh, but yes, there are gaps in our defense. I, I don't like the movement of, of Chris Jones. I wish he was back at uh, D tackle. But yet, we don't have a rush in out there, uh, and especially with Frank Clark being hurt, uh, that makes it even worse. Um, it makes it tougher for our secondary. Also, if you can't add the pressure or or, or get the the quarterback if he starts scrambling, we don't have any speed in our front seven. I don't think. And so, if there's a, a quarterback that breaks the pocket. We don't have the speed to get to him, and, and you know it's creating bigger plays down the field, and uh, it's giving up big chunks when the when the quarterback's getting out of the pocket. And we've seen that from the last few games. Uh, and the worst part about it is we just haven't been able to stop the run. And, and so, for whatever that's worth, uh, I think Spags has got to figure something out to get them all uh, kicking on the right cylinder to get this thing turned around. Because right now, we don't look like a Super Bowl contender. We don't look like a playoff contender. Uh, and heck, we're last in our division right now. So mm. uh, there's some good teams in the AFC West. You know, the Broncos had the Bridgewater. They look superb right now. I would say superb. They look really good. You know, and also having Von Miller back. Uh, Justin Herbert's done a really good job considering they got a, a new coach. Uh, you know, just outside of the loss to the Cowboys, they've had a really good season. The Raiders, I hate to say it, but they look good. They look really good. You know, Crosby's like a monster on the outside. I haven't seen one team be able to slow him down. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, you know, Carr's just putting up 350-plus yards every game. So you have to give them credit. You know, they. You know, we, we hate them because we're Chiefs fans. <laughs> but you have to give credit where credit's due. They just They look really good right now. By the way, the way that you said that, is it safe to assume you hate the Raiders more than the other rivals? I do, and so that, which is crazy. Like I, I I've had good relationships with guys with the Chargers. <laughs> uh, you know, when I played the Broncos, I had one of my hometown heroes, Rod Smith, same high school, same hometown. Uh, so going up against him was just a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, and then you get the Raiders. Like there was nothing with the Raiders that you know that brought any sort of fun any respect or any sort of decency and uh, the coaches wouldn't let you try to get to know the players on a friendly basis it's like okay this is raider week you know you don't you don't worry about putting your kids to bed you don't worry about kissing your wife you know this is one of those that you take this is a serious matter here it's almost like life or death when you play the raiders so uh it's always been that way <laughs> that's great by the way, were their were their fans particularly ugly to you? Like, do you remember? Yeah, you know they're kind of notorious in some of those ways. But wondered if you had any like crazy sort interactions of. there. So that's crazy. Also, like I always thought that they were like these the the of the the news that you read. The Raiders are the worst fan. They're actually not. When you go down to the end zones where the guys are all dressed up, they're just there for fun. Mm -hmm. You go down there and talk to those guys. You get some of the best conversation some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet it's all a facade now i would i'd hate to go deep into the the stadium and and, and to meet some real street 
you know, Raiders fans, but <laughs> but for the most part, the people that are in the end zone, they're just some of the sweetest people that you can meet. I mean, they've been lifelong fans, so it's just like it's become accustomed to who they are and what they are, and that's, you know, end zone facade. I, you know, like they dress up in Halloween costumes and, you know, try to give you crap for whatever you're doing, but if you go sit and talk to those people, you get great conversations. Mm. Eric, just a couple more for you here. I um, like as a defensive back, you know, you played obviously against several NFL greats over eight years in the in the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes obviously seems like you know just another level. Like what? Like in your experience preparing for such an, an elite quarterback like that, and then when you watch Mahomes, I, I guess I just love to get your reflections on. Like from your own experience and then watching him, like what you think it's like for a defensive back as a secondary tries to come together and 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 plan. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just love your perspective on Mahomes and 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 specifically from the DB perspective. So for his age, he's uh he's he, he's very smart and aware of what the defense is giving him. Uh, and at times, yes, he he. he as we saw last week, uh, he tries to do too much or he's overconfident in, in his abilities. Uh, but for the most part, the guy is just phenomenal. He throws an, an excellent ball, whether he's, you know, got the right quarterback stance or if he's sitting on one foot or if he's, you know, parallel to the ground. He's, he's, he's finding ways to make throws that are, uh, you know, phenomenal uh, compared to what other people are doing. And I, we've, We've watched Aaron Rodgers over the years, and I think Aaron Rodgers has thrown uh, some of the prettiest balls I've ever seen uh, on a football field uh, and with accuracy. And just to see how Patrick has come out, and he's kind of the same way but a different style. Um, and to come and do it with no-look passes, sidearm passes, left-hand passes. I think he's probably kicked the ball to a receiver at one point. Uh, yeah, he's he's found ways to do things that we've never seen within this game before. And I hate – I've always compared him to Steph Curry because Steph came in and changed the game of basketball with the three-point shooting and his handles. And he's so much fun to watch. And it's the same thing with watching Patrick. Uh, whether you're an opposing fan or whatever, uh, you enjoy watching him play. Hmm. One to ten, with ten being absolutely confident – how confident are you in the Chiefs this season in turning things around from one and two and accomplishing what they initially set out to do? Um, we found a lot <clears throat> as fans, and I think as the players too, we put a lot on the shoulders of our offense. And with that comes uh, coaching. And right now I think that Andy Reid is going through a lot stressing, a lot of stress dealing with the outside world and dealing with what what he has with the team, um, and not having that person to lead the ship to make those right calls to keep those guys, um, you know, one hundred percent in the game, uh, focused mentally, and, and uh, to give them that confidence, it it, it worries me just a little. Uh, and he's dealt with a lot. Whether it's, you know he's he's had the death of his son. He's at Philly. He's had the issue, the issue with his son last year, a different son last year. Uh, you know, then he's got to deal with the media and, and like the, the turmoil of what's going on with this team now. 
that's a lot of stress for a guy uh, like himself. And, and uh, just looking at the bigger picture, Andy's a bigger guy. And to have that kind of stress, that is not good for him. And so I, I, I don't know how to, to fix the issues or help the issues that he's having to deal with. I'm not even sure if it is stress that's, that caused him to go to the hospital. But to me, look from outside looking in, that's what I see. Mm. And it, that that's the thing that worries me. If we don't have a healthy Andy Reid coming out to get this team back on the right track, uh, I don't know where it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead us. But if we get a, uh, Andy Reid back, um, you know, back to where he was years before last year's Super Bowl, I, I'm confident. I, I think we have a really good coach. I know we have a really good team. And I, I'm pretty sure Spags has been around long enough to get this defense tuned in to where they can go out and make plays instead of being hesitant on, 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 the, on the little things. I think we could be right back in the playoffs and right back in, I won't say right back, but in L.A. Uh, for the Super Bowl this year. Mm. So you're fairly confident. It sounds. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll give it a seven <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were evading the number there i, I didn't i didn't yes. want to force you to pin down but there you are right it, it scares me because man if you don't have your coach there's like you know the team is in turmoil so sure. and, I, and i have the utmost confidence in eric the enemy but again he's never been a head coach um i think if given the chance he has what it takes to to, to do so but not thrown right in the middle of the season i want to say right in the middle of the season but it's, it's sort of uh, in the middle of the mix, so, um, but I don't know. I, I think that our offense is good enough. And uh, the thing of adding Gordon, um, I'm not against it. I wasn't for it before beforehand. I just didn't think we needed anything, any more offensive weapons. I, I love what we have offensively because nobody's going to be able to shut down Kelsey and Tariq Hill in one game. One of those guys is going to go off on you. So yeah, you can only double one. And then the rest of the guys are going to have pretty good games, which is why Patrick is able to throw for the numbers that he's thrown for. Uh, but yes, it's going to hurt one of those guys each game. So adding Gordon, I don't, I don't know what that's going to bring to the to the offense. Um, I think it's more so the chemistry with the offensive line is what's hurting, mm. and then the things that you know Patrick having to deal with getting out of the pockets too early last year, to where he's kind of doing it a little bit much this year when he doesn't really need to yeah uh even with the eh fumble i'm 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 okay with that you know you have a guy that's a defensive end coming from the side that's slapping at the ball that's gonna happen you know it happened with Tariq hill he got the ball slapped out it happens you know you just wish it didn't happen at that moment in the game um to where it caused us the loss but i like what we have offensively i just think i just think we need to you know figure out a way to put our, our defense in position to be more successful yeah well, Eric, I, I don't disagree. I think all of Chiefs Kingdom is thinking the same thing about seeing the defense right the ship. Um, Eric, so glad that you're um, that you're able to join us today and and chat and catch up. Uh, if people want to follow along with what you're doing, uh, your Twitter handle it's ea warfield forty four well not dot com it's just ea warfield <laughs> <laughs> forty four. Anything else you want to tell us about that you're involved with or or coming up on the horizon? Uh, I do. I mean, I'm involved in a lot of stuff here in Dallas. Uh, I'm not sure who's here to, to, to be involved, but whenever I, I, I have something, I usually post it. So uh, just, you know, check out my feed. And, and, and if you're able to help, help. If not, you know, retweet or, or try to give awareness. Um, I'm always happy to, to see 
uh, new fans and new friends come out and to support. So, uh, but yeah, check out the, the 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 podcast that we have, Chiefs, Chiefs Concerns. We do it every Wednesday night, and uh, heck, we'd like to get you on if you you know you're available one of these evenings. Yeah, sounds uh, great. The season. <laughs> sounds great, Eric. So appreciate your time, and again, thanks so much, man. All the best to you. Welcome back to the AA podcast. Sterling, uh, we just heard from Eric Warfield, his thought, his thoughts and his thoughts on the season uh, so far. Scott's thoughts. Yeah. What a cringeworthy episode, by the way. Oh my gosh. I love the the office and the best to watch. I just feel so awkward. Every time I watch, I'm like, oh no, it's a train wreck. Like you can't take your eyes away, but you still, it's like you're forced to watch it. That's Scott's tots. <laughs> hey, Mr. Scott, what you going to do? What you going to do? Make my dreams come true. Um, so Sterling coming back from the break, just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple things. One, will we see Josh Gordon this week? Yeah. Short answer. Yes. I think we do. Do you want a long you- answer? <laughs> yeah, give me a lo- give me a longer answer. I set you up for a yes, no, and then expected an elaboration. Sorry about that. No, you're golden. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's not going to take him a long time as a receiver. I understand that Andy Reid's offense is very complex. You know, folks say all the time it's the most complex offense they've run. At the same time, if you're a receiver, you got to know the route tree. If you know the route tree, you're going to be golden. Josh Gordon's 30 years old. Talent has never been an issue. I, again, is he more talented? than Demarcus Robinson or, or McCole Harmon. I, I probably think so. I don't think they're going to ask him to do a ton his first couple weeks. It's not like he's going to go out there against the Bills and they say, all right, Josh, 100% of snaps, all right? I want to see you do everything we ask of all of our receivers who have been here for six years. That's not going to be the case. I think week one, maybe he's a red zone target. Then they eventually start adding more and more snaps to uh to, to the game, to the flow and all that. But I think he'll be activated, but I don't expect to see him a ton against the Bills. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I I hope to see him a ton. <laughs> I hope to see anyone opposite Tyreek Hill take any reps they can from Demarcus Robinson and create any sort of separation in these one-on-one instances. It's just, it's just an auto. It's a, it's a, it's an automatic for this offense to go to the next level if they can find that presence. And uh, I'm kind of high on Josh Gordon. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Anyway. I, I hope you weren't making a joke there. No. Oh, I am getting high on Josh. <laughs> no, Gordon. I know. It's very difficult to, to not <laughs> say what. If you, we're excited about Josh Gordon. There we go. We're excited for Josh Gordon. No, you don't like watching guys catch the football and then run six yards the wrong direction? I, you know, it was a thing. It's tired and wired, man. That's tired, <laughs> and now I'm wired for Josh Gordon, right? It, it, it is, again, we're very spoiled when we're sitting here going, this Chiefs offense scored on six out of seven possessions. Touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. And we're still like, but we need more. It's like a drug addict, and you're sitting here being like, we need more. We got to get We got to get it. We got to get it in me. It's, it's crazy. We're, sometimes I just, we need to take a step back and be like, all right, it's going to be fun having Josh Gordon here, right? But there's still only one football. There's only one thing, you know, we need to improve the defense. Adding Josh Gordon's fun. It's a fun new toy, but scoring's not really the issue. Hmm. Are we going to see 
Brett Veach make a defensive addition before the trade deadline? Yes. We're going to have to. No chance that this is what we see come playoff time. No chance. I, I, For as aggressive as Brett Veach is, and we've seen him be fairly aggressive, right? I can't imagine this is the same lineup we're going to see come playoff time. And I get it. We're going to get some guys back. We're getting Willie Gay Jr. Uh, eventually, Juan Thornhill will get more snaps. Um, Traverius Ward will come back as well. But I cannot imagine this is what we see with an aggressive GM come playoff time. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think. I mean, I want to I want to agree with you. There are some real cap limitations here. I know we can work around it in some way. But I'm just afraid that we're going to have to wait until maybe later in the season when a veteran gets dumped by a team going nowhere. Like, remember when we added, I mean, Darrell Revis is the worst sort of example there, but Terrell Suggs, like both those guys were like December free agent additions. And I'm a little worried that that's going to be the addition we make versus like some impact trade, just because the cap limitations are in place that, that I'm not sure what we could swing. Are you sure you don't want to go back about what five seasons up until like last year and say Patrick Peterson? Cause that was the hot one for like seven years. Mm. I think he was supposed to play for like <laughs> for the Chiefs in 2018, 19, and 20. Yeah, I, I'm completely being facetious, but that was the one that I always remember Chiefs fans just really wanting. Keep an eye on this. If the Minnesota Vikings continue to tank and then have press conferences the next day talking about how great they are, they just need to start playing like it, <laughs> we may see a midseason trade for Bashad Breland since he would be so easy to reapply in this defense. So I would love that because I think Bashad Breland should have been back. The only issue is basically they said, we don't want him. The chiefs basically said you could have him for what? 2 million was the difference. And they said, nah, we're good. We're going to go with an unproven Mike Hughes. So as much as I think it makes a lot of sense, as much as on paper, it makes a lot of sense. Obviously the front office and Brett Veach decided against it. I don't know why, but they must have their reasons because they had the chance and said no. Mm, yeah, you disagree. But it, Why do you? Well, I, give I, me I, I do because I, <laughs> I just think Brett Veach didn't think that his cornerbacks were going to come into the season and whiff on tackles like, you know, we were watching Sammy Sosa at the plate or something like that. I, I, I just think, uh, you know, as a whole, tackling is such an issue. Breland is such a sticky corner. He can, he can just step right back in here and provide some of the security. The Chiefs rolled the dice on corners this season, and the results have not been good through the first quarter. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I think maybe they just said, no, we're young and good, and we'll, this will probably work out. And it didn't work out. And so I think adding Breland again makes sense for the stretch run, if it's still a problem. Sure. And it, maybe it becomes a week eight situation, but I can't see it happening soon. No, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, It'll okay. be November. It'll be, be November. Yeah. Just based on the fact that, too, no chance you give up on your, because you know these guys were young, right? You know, they were unproven. They had a lot of question marks. DeAndre Baker, um, you know, Mike Hughes, Legarius Needs Young. No chance you give up on a Mike Hughes or a DeAndre Baker after four, five, six games even because then you, that just shows you had no idea what you were doing 
right? Yeah. They're young. They're going to take time to develop. We can't sit here and say, you know, Niang and Nick Bolton and these guys get time to develop while Mike Hughes and, you know, DeAndre Baker, they don't get another chance. They, they need time to, right? Just yeah. because they've been in the NFL a couple of years because they were a first-round draft pick doesn't mean they don't deserve time to try and develop and improve their craft as well. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Look, the, the, the plus side there is that Charverius Ward is the elder statesman at 25. Uh, but here's also the thing, right? DeAndre Baker started 15 games his rookie year two years ago um, and then was with the Chiefs you know, for half a year last year in the practice squad and then elevated eventually at the end of the season. You know, Mike Hughes has three years with the Minnesota Vikings system. So all these guys are 24 or under, you're right. But they also have some experience. Um, and so for guys just to be missing some of the fundamentals, I'm okay with a half-season judgment. I'm okay there. Well, what do you guys think? The listeners... If you want to drop us a review, we would absolutely love that. We do try and read those, and we'll, we've read them on air before. So if you drop us a review, drop us something funny, something good, we'll read it. We'll have fun. We'll talk about it. Uh, if you want to send us to Twitter, we'll for sure see it there. Uh, I'm at HomestretchKC. Matt Connor's at MattConnorAA. What do you think? Do the Chiefs need to go out and try and get a corner? Will Brett Veach make a splash move? Is this the defense we are going to see come playoff time. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Matt Connor. I am Sterling Holmes. Uh, make sure you guys look out for Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen. They'll be dropping a podcast later on this week. For Matt, I'm Sterling. We are out. <laughs>